It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Talk to recorded, recorded live. It is 7.34 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, and it is April 23rd, 2015. And uh, most of the people that do shows online now say that at the beginning so that we have an idea of when things occur and when people are talking about certain things. Some stuff circulates on the Internet so much that you see it coming back around, and when you click on it, you see that it actually happened five years ago. So always be aware of that. It's a technique that people use to get people all stirred up. Um, there was one I saw probably within the last week or two going around again about somebody being arrested because they collected rainwater going to jail. And when I clicked on it to read more about it, I saw that it was a story from like several years ago. So yes, it's still a concern that those things are happening, but you know, make sure you know your sources and when things happen and always look for dates on things. <clears throat> so I want to say hi to everybody that's here. Um, a lot of the repeat visitors, we have somebody new in here right at the moment named Tattered Flag, and somebody came in and immediately said something about them. Um, and you know, the purpose of this program is to talk about current events. Um, usually I have a main twist to what I talk about because that's where I'm located. And I think Maine is a microcosm of the world, I always say. We have a little of this and a little of that. The politics in Maine are roughly 50-50. Um, so our arguments amongst the uh, political are often heated, often um, in groups where there are family members and close friends. Uh, everything seems to affect us here, and we treat it differently than in other places that I've been. Um, if you um, spent much time in Maine, you would see this in operation daily. Um, as I've described it before, people in Maine tend to keep things to themselves as long as it's you know, wise to do that for business reasons or family reasons. But if certain lines are crossed, everything comes out. It's like people say, fine, if you're going to do that to me, then here's all your dirt. And there's plenty of dirt to go around. Um, so let's see. Um, already people are having issues inside the chat room, but I won't worry about that too much. Basically, people have a right to say what they believe. I don't like to see people attack other people, and if I see abuse, I will ban people. I hate doing it, but I will do it. Um, and I don't like to block people from participating because I don't think that we learn anything that way. So um, as long as people are behaving and not uh, just coming in to disrupt, then they're fine to stay. So, Okay, um, tattered flag, don't get insulted. There's a lot of people around that are also just going in to cause problems. So if you're not one of them, ignore it. And hi, Dottie. Um, I have something to bring up tonight that I'm not sure if Dottie saw, but I want to make sure she did because one of the things that's going on in Maine 
is we're having a lot of people being exposed right now for sexual abuse of minors and other types of sexual abuse um, that are affecting, obviously, some of our institutions and um, what should be public, um, trustworthy political structures, which we find are pretty corrupt. And we knew it anyway, but it's like every day you get up and you see somebody else getting thrown under the bus. Um, and a lot of times the people that are throwing them under the bus are just as bad as the ones that are, you know, <laughs> they're accusing. So um, I just want to make sure that Dottie saw this especially. Um, this afternoon, the Bangor Daily News, there was a um, another another story coming out um, was a brief a brief just a brief thing but I'm sure it'll be there'll be more about it later and one of the things that people have been um, complaining about in the media also is that some of these stories are so brief that you may as well not even publish them because there's no information in them this is one of those really short things okay and it says um, CBS 13, which I believe is a Southern Maine TV affiliate, <clears throat> South Berwick, Maine, a former school administrator in Maine is now facing child sex charges in Vermont. 68-year-old Rick Talbot faces lewd and lascivious conduct with a child charges. Talbot was most recently principal of Tunbridge Central School in Vermont. Police say he has kept a home in South Berwick and for years was an administrator at schools in Maine as well. He's due in court next month. And um, that's it. That's the story, story in quote. Actually, it's more like an announcement than it is a story. But the southern part of the state right now is full of allegations, again, of um, different types of um, sexual, criminal sexual activity, actually. And... Um, that you know isn't all that. These places are not all that far from where the big scandal was regarding the Zumba, Madam, whatever her name was. Um, all those things we talked about at the time, where you know there were just connections here and there with people that were in official positions who were named, and then they didn't name all of them. They only named a few. But isn't that how it usually goes? I think they said all together in that case, that prostitution ring, there were like 20. Wait a minute. 200, I think they said, were um, named clients of this place, and they only named publicly about, I think, 50 of them. We were talking about it. We were going into the details on some of those people, finding out who they were and who they were related to. Um, but in some ways, um, this is an atmosphere that's created because it's allowed and condoned, and in some other ways, it's also a technique that's used to compromise people to get control over their lives. And it, that doesn't just happen in one state or in one town. That happens globally. They do this in um, oath-keeping type ceremonies, um, loyalty ceremonies all over the world. They compromise people by using things that they would be ashamed for people to know. And they use photographs. They use you know, witnesses, videos. <clears throat> whatever they need. And it's like having a folder on somebody. It's having the dirt on them so you can tell them what they're going to be doing for you. And sad to say, um, this has been going on for longer than we've been alive. And I think that what's happening now is people are finally so fed up with it that they're just saying, I don't care what you do to me because I'm done. I'm not going to deal with this anymore. So we'll see what happens. But 
there's big doings in the southern part of the state. There, these cases are going on all over the state, but there's big doings right now in the southern part of the state. Um, and the comments on the one that I just read, um, somebody by the name of Peace said, "Peace as in a particle, not peace as in peace. Let's give peace a chance. The other kind of peace." Um, Maine is not safe anymore. Uh, WCSBWK says the story is extremely short on info. A simple accusation can destroy a life. CDN, how about a follow-up after the court date? And Chris says maybe that cop from Vermont who was arrested in Maine for pointing a gun in a road rage incident. I thought it was this guy she was pointing the gun at. I don't know. Sledgehammer 1960 says Vermont can keep him. We don't want him back. So, um, I already did it, and I don't remember, but before I close it out, I'm going to just do a little copy-paste here. Yep. Okay. Um, did I get this already? Yes. Oh, Dottie did it. Good. She got it off the Press Herald. I had it off the Bangor Daily News, so here's the Bangor Daily News one. Because sometimes the Press Herald makes you count the articles you read, and they make you pay for it. So I barely ever go there. But Okay, and so it says in the um, title of Dottie's link that a former middle school principal, is that the same person, or is it a different person? Because we've had plenty of them lately. Okay, um, let's see what else is in here. I'm going back to see what's going on. Yes, number nine says, you mean acting civil. I always say act civil. Be civil. You don't need to be uncivil. If you don't like it here, go somewhere else where you will like it, okay? Um, and let's see. I always try to, if I have to mute people, I always try to keep the early guests in because it's usually the ones that keep coming back that are the ones that are a problem. So, so let's see. What else? Um, I have a ton of stuff because there's a ton of stuff going on. So that's why I am... Uh, yes, Dottie, I'm talking about the fact that Portland Press Herald doesn't give you free articles after a certain amount, and I don't even like the Portland Press Herald because I feel like I'm supporting it by even clicking there. Um, the fact that um, United States Representative's husband owns that newspaper and she gets to, um, you know, basically have her own mouthpiece in Maine, I don't like it. It upsets me enough that I don't want to go read articles over there. I don't really go there unless somebody gives me a direct link to something that I can't see somewhere else. Um, and I just I just don't. But it's not really our area anyway. Portland Press Herald is Southern Maine stuff for the most part. It doesn't have much to do with us up here. So, um, Guest number 10 um, on the phone. I am not answering the phone right now just because i got a ton going on. If you want to, to talk, uh, please let me know later on, okay? because I have a lot to get through. I didn't think I had much to talk about, and then I found there was a lot. 
Okay, Dottie um, had a um, listing of a lot of things regarding the Biddeford City Council meeting about um, the sexual allegations against police officers there. And hopefully she's already put that in the chat room. I was going to if I didn't see her here. So let's see if I see that in there. Did you put that in there yet, Dottie? I have it up already so I can get it. Um, I haven't even had a chance to go back through here and uh, read it again. But basically, um, the page that I had planned to share with you tonight, when I'm talking about Maine, is this one. It, it shortened the link a little bit, but I think it'll still go there. And uh, sorry, I can't get rid of 11 because 11 already gone. So I'll just block participation. There you go. All right. So 9 and 4, you're fine. Unmute you. And I'm blocking everybody that comes in unless I unmute them, okay? All right, so let's see. So Dottie's, it goes this time. Did it? Oh, it did it. She did it, and I did it. I think both. I'm not sure. Okay, so <laughs> you should have it on there after all those tries. All right. Um. It says on here at the, at the top of it, Biddeford, Maine City Council, April 21st, 2015, public addressing the council's sexual allegations against Biddeford police officers. View the council meeting here. And um, then there's uh, Maine criminal code about official oppression, um, code about misprision of felony. And this one is an important concept for people to understand because it is also one of the things that Able Danger uses when they file complaints with different people, is that we have people in office right now in the United States that are guilty of misprision of felony. And because um, of the misprision part of a crime, um, Able Danger has managed to, in our belief anyway, whether or not it's true, who cares, it was the same outcome, um, removing candidates from their um, campaigns for president and vice president in recent years um, because they were notified of a, of a serious federal crime and did nothing. Uh, Tim Pawlenty was one of them. Um, there were others. So anyway, misprision of felony or misprision of treason, if you know of treason and you don't report it, okay, it means that you're guilty of it as well. You're guilty of a crime if you don't report a crime. I understand why people don't nowadays because we can't trust justice to be served. We can't trust our officials. But this is the way it's supposed to work, okay? And this is what it says on this page about it. Whoever having knowledge of the actual commission of a felony cognizable by a court of the United States conceals and does not as soon as possible make known the same to some judge or other person in civil or military authority under the United States shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than three years or both. And there are other things on here as well about the particular case of Biddeford. Um, I don't know all the ins and outs of this case. Other people do. There's a lot of people who have been commenting on Facebook and in um, 
different blogs and also in the comment sections of newspapers about some of these people, and they're not even hiding it anymore. People are starting to name names, and they're naming names really in a nasty way sometimes. Whether or not what they say is true is almost beside the point at this point because the newspapers are not protecting people's reputations anymore. They claim they are, but they're not. They're absolving themselves by saying that these are bloggers or these are commenters and they have no control over the content. Um, they may have less control than they do over their own articles, but they certainly have control over what they moderate. And um, in the case of the Bangor Daily News, it's getting more obvious every day that they're keeping everyone out who defends the governor. They, they delete lots of comments that come from that side. But if it's somebody who is attacking the governor, um, they can put whatever they want on there. And I've seen some really nasty comments about other stories in the area, too, where people are bringing up personal lives, families, business associates, business practices, and all kinds of things that in the past would have been considered appalling and um, not something that anybody respectable would ever do to another person. They would expect that um, if somebody had consequences that needed to be brought forth, that that would be done through proper channels. For example, a lawsuit or um, you know some type of process, not just to smear them all over the media and uh, ruin their reputation and make their family afraid and these types of things that are going on now. And what did I say last summer, July 2nd? I remember it saying on the Uda that night that the can of worms that Mike Tipping opened up by doing what he did, attacking the governor and then everybody going everywhere around that and taking it everywhere else was going to um, have repercussions far into the future. And it is, because now people feel like it's okay to do that and the end justifies the means. And um, I don't think it's really going to work out that well, but you know, I'm one person, but I have influence because of friends that I have, and all I do is I just keep telling people about what I see, and then I watch some of this stuff come back around again. I'm seeing people now starting to name names and, and name individual people, saying it isn't a committee, it isn't the city, it's these people. These people have faces, and they have names, and they have families, and they have addresses also. And all of a sudden, things start to look different because, oh my gosh, they're not just talking about, you know, whatever. I'll just pick a town, the city of, I don't know, Orono or something. Now they're talking about me, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, because um, on this date, you were the one sitting in that chair. So it isn't the town or the city. It was you as a person, an individual doing that job. So... Accountability, you know, that's that's the thing that's going to happen, and I think it needs to. So, anyway, you have that page if you want to go further. Go in there and look around. Okay, now on um, <laughs> one of the things that's really funny that's going on in Maine is that we have, uh, you know, our usual thing, our sniping from each side of the aisle, as they say, the Democrats sniping towards the Republicans and and the Republicans who I don't feel are sniping back. They're more or less just defending themselves. But in some ways, you know, you have some people that are assertive and they will say things too. But I'm getting a real kick out of the fact that I'm still on the on the email list for the Democrats because I'm a registered Democrat. I've told you that before. 
Um, I am like not really of either party. I don't really care. I liked voting in primaries. I got mad at the Republican Party back in the, the um, what I consider to be at least a botched election in 2000, whether it was stolen or not, but it was not run correctly. <clears throat> I changed parties, and I worked within the Democratic Party for a little while in Maine because I liked some of the candidates. So I was around for some of the things going on. You know, I met some of the, the politicians that I would not have met had I not been in any party. It was why I got a chance to talk to John Kerry in person in a little side room. It was why I got to see, you know, Dennis Kucinich and things like that. Um, but I'm certainly not an active member, but I'm still on the mailing list, so I leave it there. So today in my email, I laughed. Here's what was in my email today. Stop the attacks. It came from Justin Alfond. It, this cracks me up. Justin Alfond has so much money that he probably doesn't even know how much he has. And he was one of the people standing on the, you know, like out in public at a podium with the uh, mayor of Portland, I believe it was the mayor, Brennan, talking about how sad it was that our governor was going to, you know, keep money away from these people and they were all starving to death down there in this poor shelter. And I talked about it that, I think that very night, I'm not sure. But it was like these people had money in the bank and some of them had been, had been there almost four years. And from what I understand, the reimbursement from the state was $130 a night per person. And what they were getting for that was basically a gym mat on a floor with all the other people in the same room. And it just so infuriated me that I alienated a few more of my relatives that are in southern Maine because I said, this is ridiculous. It's a waste of money, and it's disgusting. These people are disgusting, especially somebody like Alfond who could write a check and hand it to these people to help solve some of their problems. Instead, he stood out there as though the rest of the state is and the governor are punishing these people and causing harm instead of let's focus on the waste and figure out how we're going to help people instead. So I'm, I just don't have a lot of high opinion of him. But anyway, this was from him today. And it says, in quotes at the top, highlighted in yellow, the governor said Alfon is one of the Democrats who stands in the way of what, and then it says in brackets, Governor LePage wants. Amanda Hill, WCSH 6, April 21st, 2014. So it must have been on television. Friend, there he goes again. Governor LePage went on another rant, and once again, I'm in the crosshairs. This time, instead of insulting my family, he's trying to paint me as an obstructionist. Let me be perfectly clear. When the governor has good ideas that help everyday Mainers, we stand ready to work with him. That's why we incorporated some of his best ideas into our Better Deal for Maine budget package and why we're finding common ground on important higher education bills. Too often, however, the governor pursues policies that hurt Maine families, like preventing tens of thousands of Mainers from getting health care, or fighting for tax cuts for the wealthy, or weakening our environmental regulations, or eliminating property tax relief and not funding our community colleges. When the governor pursues policies that are driven by far-right ideology and pushes the interest of the wealthy and the well-connected above the interests of middle-class Mainers, we're ready to fight against him every step of the way. Stand with us and tell Governor LePage I'm tired of the personal attacks, and I want Maine government to work for all Mainers. 
the challenges we face as a state are too big for petty personal attacks. We need everyone who cares about a brighter future for Maine to stand with us and say, no more. Tell Governor LePage it's time to stop the attacks and it's time to get to work. Thank you for your support and for standing with us against personal politics and for a brighter future. Best, Justin. P.S. We need everyone on this. Stand with us for a better Maine. Paid for and authorized by the Senate Democratic Campaign Committee, P.O. Box 2207, Augusta, Maine, 04338, United States. Um, and then it tells me I can unsubscribe if I want. Oh, no, I'm not unsubscribing. It's great. I get all their inside info. The thing that's so funny about these emails also is that they're always full of links. And usually when you click on the links, you go directly to the fundraising page. This doesn't actually say donate, but it's probably a petition or a donate button if you go in there. Um, that was today. April 17th, I got this from Jeremy Kennedy. Bruce Poliquin just voted yesterday to slash taxes for millionaires like himself while doing nothing for middle-class Mainers living paycheck to paycheck. It's not surprising, but it's not right. Eliminating the estate tax gives away $270 billion in tax breaks to the 0.02% wealthiest Americans. It's a tax break for people who don't need one instead of working families struggling to make ends meet and put food on the table. Donate today and stand up for Maine families. Mainers living in the 2nd Congressional District deserve better. They deserve a representative in Congress who they can trust, someone who will fight for economic policies that give all Mainers a chance to get ahead. Democrats believe that if you work hard and you play by the rules, you should be able to send your kids to college, save for retirement, and take that yearly family vacation. If you believe this, pitch in $10, $25, $50, or more today and help us make Bruce Poliquin a one-term congressman, if that's not bad enough. Elimination of federal estate tax and going, is going to increase the federal deficit by $270 billion. Democrats, like Shelley Pingree, voted against this bill because they believe it's unfair for children of the super wealthy to inherit millions tax-free while saddling future generations of Mainers with more national debt. If you agree, donate today and help us elect a Democrat to Congress who will fight for all Mainers, not just the wealthy few. FDR said, the test of our progress is not whether we add more to the abundance of those who have much, it is whether we provide enough for those who have too little. These are the values we as Democrats stand up for. Stand up with us today and make a contribution to support our Democratic values. Thanks. Jeremy Kennedy, Executive Director, Maine Democratic Party. And then there's a big red contribute button. That's P.O. Box 5258, Maine Democratic Party, Augusta, Maine, 04330, United States. I don't know why you have to put United States. Seems like you'd know that already, but I have a feeling these things don't come directly from Maine. I think they're probably templates that they put in. So um, um, let's see. Um going to continue on with this before I close this out because I find these hysterically funny. Mind you, Bruce Poliquin's the one that won against Emily Kane, who they thought for sure they were going to have in. She just was so positive she was going to get into office and go down to Washington. And She and um, Mike Michaud was going to be governor, and then um, they were going to have, because remember, they were going to have the first gay governor in the United States, well, the first openly gay we, I think we've had some gay, gay uh, presidents before. They wanted to have the first 
I mean the first gay governor. That's what I meant. Um, they wanted to have Michaud in the governor's office, Emily Kane in the second district, and John Martin was coming back from northern Maine. And I think they just figured they were going to have, you know, just a field day with their power in Maine because we have, you know, we have a lot of progressives. And, and if the more conservative people or middle-of-the-road people do nothing, the progressives, because they're, they're aggressive as well, they're not just progressive, they're aggressive. Um, they get out there and they look like they're doing good things and people let them. But um, in the last few years, um, some of the more conservative people have awakened to the fact that um, our interests are not being met and um, represented even. I mean, we're just like ignored. So people work hard in Maine for their money and they don't want to just hand it out to be wasted. They don't mind being generous. And they will help you, but they don't want the money wasted because they worked hard for it since they were kids, a lot of them. A lot of, all of us actually did that. Um, people coming from other states, not so much. But in Maine, the kids that were raised in Maine worked hard for their money and have seen hardships for the most part we have. Okay, so back to this. Get the most recent ones. Okay, that was the 17th. Um, Bill Bartlett, A Better Deal. This was April 9th. It's no secret that Paul LePage's budget would be disastrous for Maine. His plan gives a huge tax cut to Maine's top 1% by cutting vital services for Maine's working families, the elderly, and raising property taxes on the middle class. But now Maine has a choice. Today, Maine Democrats introduced a common-sense alternative to Governor Paul LePage's proposal, A Better Deal for Maine. Under our plan, you get a better deal, a bigger tax break, and property tax relief. Click here to learn about our better deal for Maine and how it impacts you. And then there's a graphic. Maine Democrats believe that you deserve a budget that puts more money in your pockets, invests in your child's education, and grows our economy. Whether you are a single mom, a family of four, or a retired couple, your family will see a bigger benefit under the better deal for Maine. It will put more money in your pockets through middle-class tax cuts and lower property taxes for homeowners and small businesses. Read about the better deal for Maine and share with friends and family. Our model is simple. Ask the wealthiest non-residents and big corporations to pay their fair share and ensure a budget that is fiscally responsible and invests in the future of our state. While Republicans favor the failed promises of trickle-down economics that cripple our economy, our better deal for Maine will build the economy from the middle out. Democrats believe in the power of our people. We know when our workers and students succeed, our state succeeds. We hope you'll share this comprehensive plan and economic vision with your family and friends and stand with us as Democrats get a better deal for you in the coming months. Thank you, Phil Bartlett, Chairman, Maine Democratic Party. P.S. Share the better deal for Maine with your friends and family or tweet using the hashtag pound sign better deal for the numeral for me. Contribute. Big red button. And uh, P.O. Box, this one is faded out, 5258, paid for by the Maine Democratic Party, not authorized by any candidate or candidate committee. So they're saying, it's not us. We don't necessarily stand by all of that stuff. That's just our party putting that stuff out. Well, anyway, so um, I'll spare you the last one that was sent in April, which was about Maine becoming the next Indiana. That related to the bakery, I believe. Um, 
I saw something just today um, in regards to that. And what the heck was it? I'll have to think on that because I can't remember. Okay, so that's from my <laughs> hot off my email. <laughs> just amazing. I've been cleaning out my email box. I have more than 10,000 emails in this email box. And I've cleaned out back to June of 2013, but I found a lot of interesting things in there. So I'll let you know if I see anything else relevant at some point, but not tonight. I'm closing it. Had enough of that. Um, okay, so we talked about the um, the um, sex abuse charges down in um, Biddeford. The guy in... Um, the former school administrator from Vermont who has problems. We have other things going on too that are kind of, you know, working their way up from the depth that will probably come out in the next week or two because people are talking about things now and they're saying, hey, wait a minute, me too, this happened to me. So I think there'll be more revelations every day, honestly. I think you could probably open that paper any day and see the same stuff coming out because once one or two people will speak out when they feel they need to. It gives courage to other people to do the same. So anybody that's been sexually abused carries that around their entire life. And, um, you know, it's not it's not a good thing. People don't get severe enough sentences either when they do these things. Um, so much of it. So much of it. Okay, so let's see. What else do I have here? Um, <clears throat> I saved a lot of links, things I was just looking into, like uh, China's maritime modernization, because I saw during the past week that um, apparently the military was giving people like the configurations of what Chinese ships look like, so if they saw any, they could call up and report them. I, I find this stuff really funny because anything that is on the globe right now, I don't care if it's a little 5 by 7 packet with a photograph of your Grammy in it, or if it's an airliner, or if it's a tank, or if it's a ship, satellites see all of it. They see absolutely everything. And um, I, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but I was trying to explain to my cousin down in New Jersey that um, there was no possible way that they lose airliners anywhere. So it's all for show that they go looking. They know exactly where everything is all the time. Um, she said there's dark places on the world where <laughs> where people can't see. And um, we're not talking about cell phone coverage. We're talking about global seeing of the surface of the Earth. And there isn't anything that they can't see. So... If people want to, you know, go to bed at night and feel happy and content thinking that they're perfectly safe because they're in some way hidden, um, you're not. So sorry to bring that little message to you, but keep it in mind that whatever you say or do these days is known by somebody. Um, <clears throat> um, I keep hearing that we have, um, like we've, had something like a big collapse or something in the financial world in the past week and that the United States is not acknowledging it. I don't know if that's true or not. But if people, you know, have banking relatives or friends, they might ask if there's anything weird going on. Um, 
we have some bank acquisitions going on in Maine, and we have some people shifting around jobs. So because we have 1,300,000 people in Maine, and a lot of them are kids, and a lot of them are old people that are you know, not participating in all this stuff, um, the movers and shakers, the people that are working, know the bankers. They know the people in their towns. So um, I guess we just watch it and see what's going on. I'm getting pressured again by my bank. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned it last week, but they are attempting to push me into a different deal with them. And I don't think they can do it, but I don't really know how to find that out. I think that um, when a contract is made, that that contract is binding unless both parties agree to a change. But we'll see what happens. I may be able to work something out before anything progresses further anyway because I'm going to start pushing back with different types of um, not really accusations, but um, points of clarification and different things. I'm just going to bring a bunch of stuff to them and see what happens. Sort of like the chaff that we talk about at Able Danger, which is that you just do what they do, muddy the waters, ask a ton of questions, pass things around, um, send certified mail if you you know want to make a point. They have to sign for it, and that makes it official. Um, all kinds of just stuff. And it's only because that's the only way we can fight back against these people. They have a system that is made to crush. <laughs> it's not made to help. It's made to crush and uh, take advantage and things like that. So go back in here and see what you guys are talking about. If I'm missing anybody important that's asking a question. Um, thank you for coming, by the way. It's a good group in there tonight, it looks like. Um, They're talking about um, what to do with energy, money. I mean, uh, lights. It looks like. Um. <laughs> so, okay. So yeah, we have people from all over the place in here. I'm noticing some people are saying where they're from. Tumbleweeds. We don't have tumbleweeds in Maine. Maybe we'll get that next. Who knows? They have them out west, so we have some people from out west in the chat right now. They know. Val says, just say no, Ginger. Yep. Um, um, the thing with the, the thing and I've described this before, is what happened is that back in the 80s, we took out these home equity lines of credit, and they were really good deals. They were based on the, I believe it was the prime or something. There was a, they were based on something where they could be uh, variable. And what happened was, over time, it got more and more advantageous towards my side, to the point where this was like 2% money. And... I would be crazy to get rid of it, but I've held on to it because really I haven't been able to get rid of it because I've had to use the money to survive due to denial of credit. If I'd had credit given to me, I would have just continued on what I was doing, which was paying down some of it. Um, and they put me in such a position that I couldn't do that anymore. So I've had to just adjust, 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 cope with it, live with it, 
you know, starve if I have to just to get that payment in. And then as soon as I would pay it, I'd have to use it again. So in a way, it was kind of cool because I had this bill I had to pay, but I didn't really lose it. I mean, I would lose the interest, that's it, and I could use it again. So a few times, you know, I've had to be rescued where somebody had to come in and loan me some money so I could pay that, and then I would get the money back out again. Um, But the bank, you know, they always have things computerized, and they watch these kinds of things, and they just go, you know what, I don't really like this. And now they have new rules all the time. They have to prove everything. They have to prove all the money that goes in and all the money that comes out. They have to prove where it came from um, and account for everything. And that's good in some ways because the banks were getting away with a lot of shenanigans and they were, you know, taking advantage. And I understand the point of it, but it's a little bit one-sided when they don't do anything about the money laundering, the active money laundering going on with some of the top people, you know, that have access to systems. Um, They put the pressure on somebody like me who was a contributor, you know, somebody who was actually making money for them because I never disputed a darn thing. I mean, I'd pay whatever interest there was. I'd pay whatever fees there were. I didn't really care. Things were going well. But when you get down to the fact that, you know, you have a $8 automatic payment coming out on the 15th of the month and you have four dollars in the bank because you can't put a deposit in that day and they take their own automatic payment and any any payments you've set up for the 15th of the month and they they put those in the account and then take a $35 um, overdraft fee on each thing that's kind of ridiculous I think I have another bank that is not um, a North American bank, but as a main bank, um, which instead of taking um, a, an automatic or an electronic fee, I mean um, debit, will refuse it. And so if the money is not there, it won't take it. It won't try to take it. it so if what I mean, do the math. Am I stupid? I'm not going to leave my money in a bank that's doing this kind of stuff to me. That's just one thing. Seriously. I mean, I had um, I had things set up, I thought, so that it was going to take the money out of PayPal, and it didn't. It took it. It went to the bank to get it. The bank paid it, and then they started charging me $35 for an $8 fee. Ridiculous. So um, if, uh, you know, if, if this is the way they want to try to get customers to stay after they've been a customer since the 70s, then, you know, <laughs> it's not how I do business. They can find somebody else more gullible. Right now I'm just coping with it, but we'll see what happens. Um, and then, oh, this is another real fun thing I had to happen today, <clears throat> which I've already sent um, a question to somebody about but I will be asking in person this week probably or the beginning of next week. I got this today. I got two certified letters today from the city. And what it says on here, you are notified, you are hereby notified that you are obligated to pay within 30 days after this notice is served or mailed, as the case may be, a rate, toll, rent, or other charge in the amount of $542.80 plus interest and costs as provided by statute. A lien is claimed by the City of Bangor 
County of Penobscot, State of Maine, on the following described real estate to secure the payment of said rate, toll, rent, or other charge. I have no idea what this is. <laughs> Not a clue. <clears throat> but here it is. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm, caught. I'm uh, a little hoarse. Um, and then it says that they're willing to arrange an installment payment of the outstanding debt. Um, and then it says... Um, the amounts do represent outstanding charges from April through October 2014. There may be other balances due not reflected on this demand. So what the heck is it? <laughs> you know, it just cracks me up. It's like, you know, you just send out send out something for a rate, toll, rent, or other charge. So that's that one. And then on the other one, the other property, it says... Um, the same wording, and then it says you you owe 166 something, 48, because they charge me for the certified mail, the demand fee, the interest, and um, principal on something I have no idea what it is. So I send an email and I ask to have it explained to me what the heck it is, and also I said you know I pay property taxes that are substantial, and I don't know what it is, so. We're we're guessing it might be the rainwater tax, which is that rain lands on your roof and runs off. So they feel that they should collect on that. And um, they talked about it a few years ago, and I think that in some court case it was found that you couldn't do that. So they probably just decided to make it vague so that no one would know it was runoff tax for rain. Miracle. So... <clears throat> Okay, so um, let's see. What else was important? Uh, I saw something show up in, um, I think it was actually on a Facebook that I saw at first, but it was uh, something with a big picture of Peter Mills on it. And it's, a, it's by him, and it's a special to the Bangor Daily News and probably to other places too. But... The reason why I think this is important and why I want to read it, it, it's, you know, I hate to just read to you all the time, but things are happening so fast that I just don't have time to get back to it. If I don't read it when I see it, I'll forget about it in another week. But this is the same family. This is Janet Mills' brother, um, Dora Ann Mills' brother. She used to be the CDC person in Maine. Um, this is somebody else from the same family that we've talked about before. Um, and I, uh, when I saw it, I thought, well, you know, he ran for governor before, and what the heck, you know. But the thing that I found interesting was that people from both parties were posting it and saying they liked this. So I was like, why do they like it? So I have to read it so I know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I gave you the link to that. <clears throat> so if you want to get tea and not listen, or if you want to listen... So you don't have to read it yourself or you just want to look at it later. It's up to you. You can do whatever you want. It's a free-flowing place, um, free-flowing as long as you're decent and civil, as I always say. So I'm going to take one more look. So, um, so it looks like everything's all right. If it's not, I'll just deal with it after, okay? All right, so I'm going to go in here and get that. And read it. 
Okay, to end political paralysis, don't aim to fix media, money, and politics. Focus on the epidemic of ignorance. I can agree with that part, okay? This was uh, posted yesterday and modified today, it says, this morning. As a former English major, I am embarrassed to admit how seldom I take time anymore to read creative literature. Instead, I find myself entirely absorbed by contemporary public affairs, the economy, and government policy. This is strange indeed because nearly all the news in these overlapping spheres is made so hopelessly glum by the dreadful state of U.S. politics. When Mark Shields and David Brooks were challenged by PBS NewsHour's Judy Woodruff to identify anything uplifting about the then-upcoming 2014 elections, neither could respond except to suggest that the governor's races were not so bad as those for Congress. <clears throat> Among other periods in history have Although other periods in history have surely been worse, what makes this era so frustrating is to think how close we could be to unprecedented success. We have so much going for us. <clears throat> Women are breaking down barriers in many professions. We have proven it possible to elect and re-elect not only a black president, but thousands of other capable people of color at all levels of government. I'm going to make a correction. He's not a black president. He's half black and half white. His mother's white. So... He shouldn't have put it. He was a black president. It's not true. <clears throat> Allowing same-sex couples to marry is no longer a shock. Indeed, it is hardly even controversial as it was just a decade ago. Is it because we have moved so far, so fast on these so-called social issues that the forces of reaction have jammed our polity into reverse on everything else? I don't know what polity means. Maybe it means political, like polls. I don't know. Residents are begging politicians for progress on immigration and tax reform, improved performance in K-12 education, infrastructure repairs, a coherent energy policy, upward economic mobility, a reduction in the insane cost of medical treatment, and broader access to health care and higher education. So many opportunities lie just to compromise away. Most citizens understand and approve what is required for the necessary bargain. They ask why Congress can't. Simply federal, simplify federal taxes, eliminate loopholes to raise revenue, lower rates, and cut entitlements to balance the budget, pay down our national debt, and bring solvency to Social Security and Medicare. Combine energy independence <clears throat> with the promotion of sustainable technologies supported by long-range inducements for investors to fuel innovation, lower energy costs, and combat climate change for ourselves and the world. Provide health care for all, facilitated by cuts in costs to make medical treatment affordable without excessive reliance on budget-busting public subsidies. These possibilities for enlightened greatness may not be simple to achieve, but the pathways are clear, blocked mainly by political dysfunction. While diagnoses for our political ills are legion, author Jason Grummet, in his recent book, City of Rivals, adroitly summarizes our most common complaints in three alternative Three alliterative categories, sorry, alliterative, media, money, and gerrymandering. Grummet points out that these phenomena are at least as old as the American Republic. Media. Yellow journalism was rampant long before the revolution. Some of the vicious allegations against our founding fathers are enough to make one's hair stand on end. During much of the, during much of the 20th century, as radio and TV journalism came into its own, Edward R. David Brinkley and Walter Cronkite announced the news in a consensus fashion for all Americans. With the advent of the Internet and multi-channel cable outlets, however, people now select much of their news 
and commentary from sources with a preconceived bias, ranging from that of Rush Limbaugh to Rachel Maddow. Self-selection for bias. Sorry, you guys. Tongue-tied. Self-selection for bias news harkens back to the earliest periods of printed broadsheets and has been a factor throughout history. However, the modern digital environment broadcasts sources of greater range than anything previously imagined. While it creates unprecedented opportunities to open people's minds to diverse perspectives, it also allows consumers to confine themselves within the narrowest of world views. This trend is not about to be reversed by any directive that could pass First Amendment muster. Money. Graft in politics could hardly have been worse than in 1833 when U.S. Senator Daniel Webster wrote to the Bank of the United States to complain that my retainer has not been renewed or refreshed as usual. Although the direct purchase of political favors is no longer in vogue. Huh? Where's he been? Sorry, that's my own comment. 21st century America has become a plutocracy every bit as extreme as that of the Gilded Age with its policy dominance by corporate trusts. Worse yet, money has taken over today's politics. Efforts since Watergate to constrain money in elections have largely been obliterated by Supreme Court rulings not likely to be overturned anytime soon. Fortunately, the court has endorsed the remedy of forced disclosure. While the lack of constitutional power to reduce money in politics is frustrating, we may take solace from examples where excessive spending has been ineffective. In 2014, Maine Republicans took control of the state Senate and came close to winning the House despite being outspent two to one by negative ads in a number of races. In the national election, Republicans achieved a similar result, but in this case, Republicans outspent Democrats by substantial margins. Perhaps the composite lesson is this. In a wave election, money may accelerate the wave, but it can't stop it. Gerrymandering. The evils of packing electoral districts have long been with us. The term gerrymandering goes back to 1812, although the sin of allowing elected officials to choose their own voters is not new. Grummet reminds us that gerrymandering cannot explain the present dysfunction of the U.S. Senate where each member is, selected, is elected sorry, from an entire state nor does it account for the phenomenon of self-sorting, as explained by Bill Bishop in his book, The Big Sort. Just as more Americans are choosing their own media outlets, they are also gathering to live with like-minded neighbors in places where common beliefs are shared. You know, we talked about that before, too. Are people doing this by choice? Because, yes, they do. People tend to want to live with people they agree with, that they get along with. Why wouldn't you? It's your daily life, you know? Okay, my three daughters who live in the South often meet people whose first inquiry is, and what, ch what church do you all attend? As Grummet observes, it is simply not possible to craft an honestly marginal district amid a sea of Northeastern progressives or Southern conservatives. Maine politics. Maine today has much for which to be grateful. Each of the 151 members of our oversized House of Representatives represents only 8,600 people. Almost everyone in Maine has met his or her legislator, and many people have been one. It takes only 25 signatures to become a candidate for the House, 100 for the Senate. While the House is perhaps too big and inefficient, it has the virtue of being close to Maine people. Every member of the legislature may introduce any number of bills. Oh, man, they do it all the time, too. We're always saying if they just stayed home, um, you know, we'd be better off because we have enough laws already. 
they, they go down there and they think up stuff. Every bill is assigned to a committee and gets a hearing. Any committee member may bring a bill to the floor for debate. Any legislator on the floor may offer amendments and may speak or filibuster for so long as he or she can stand on two feet. These traditional privileges are seldom challenged because they are so seldom abused. The main legislature has joint policy committees co-chaired by a member from each chamber. Only two other states, Massachusetts and Connecticut, organize their bicameral legislatures in this way. Bicameral meaning two houses. Um, <clears throat> a quirk in our main constitution makes it difficult to adopt a basic biennial budget without obtaining a two-thirds vote in each chamber. Thus, the minority party is a significant player in crafting the final product. Maine's constitution requires the legislature to adopt by two-thirds vote a new apportionment for legislative districts every 10 years. If the parties are unable to agree, the Maine Supreme Court resolves the differences. Gerrymandering is thereby limited. Except for probate judges, Maine has no elected judges. In many other states, judges must campaign and raise money from some of the same attorneys or special interests who appear before them. In Maine, most judges are appointed by the governor, subject to confirmation by a legislative committee whose decision may be overridden by a two-thirds vote of the Senate. The process is reinforced by a long-standing tradition for the governor to rely on a bipartisan committee of trusted attorneys to screen each applicant's qualifications. This is something that bothers some of us in Maine, so just so you know. In the U.S. Congress, multiple committees from each body may struggle for jurisdiction over a common policy and produce inconsistent bills, if any bills at all. When a bill reaches the floor, amendments may be denied by rule. U.S. Senators may exert filibuster power without having to speak. It is uncommon for any bill of substance to pass without a committee of conference. Maine has a lesson to teach. More states need to send leaders to Washington, like Margaret Chase Smith, Bill Cohen, Joe Brennan, Ken Curtis, George Mitchell, Olympia Snow, Ed Muskie, Tom Allen, Susan Collins, and Angus King. Although their levels of partisanship have certainly varied, each has shared a deep respect for democratic governance, a tolerance for human differences, and an instinct for finding common ground. My dad, who served several terms in the Maine legislature, was sometimes challenged for being a maverick within his party. He would vehemently deny the charge with words to this effect. A maverick is a dumb western horse that doesn't know what he's doing. I know exactly where I stand. When members of my party are wrong, I am obliged to disagree with them. Teach our children well. People of all political persuasions must acknowledge that children are the true victims of America's political paralysis. America's young children are attending some of the least effective schools in the free world. College students are incurring unthinkable debts to qualify for jobs that will not support their future loan payments. Meanwhile, most of us over 65 enjoy universal Medicare and a monthly stipend from Social Security. Now that we've got ours, we have pulled the ladder up so that no one else may ascend. Elections are dominated by growing numbers of elderly voters with ever longer lifespans. Their elected politicians evade present-day problems by running up debts for the young, obligations that include not only the national debt, but also the unfunded liabilities for Medicare, Social Security, and public pensions, over a trillion dollars in student loans, and the cost of poorly maintained highways and deteriorating infrastructure throughout the built environment. <clears throat> built, B-U-I-L-T. While it is important for young people to be well-trained for productive careers, it is just as important that they benefit from a liberal education, 
an education of the sort promoted in ancient Greece and revived by the Enlightenment to develop open-minded, skeptical, and reflective citizens trained to think freely for themselves. Without a strong liberal education, people cease to question. They become mentally lazy, enslaved by dogma, and too quickly frustrated by difficult challenges. They drift toward wrong, simplistic, and often dangerous answers. It is through effective education that future voters learn to seek truth, to find balanced news, to see through slander, to discount for hyperspending on political ads, to reject puffery from candidates, and to make rational choices on election day. When candidates reject the findings of science, educated citizens should jeer them off the podium. We must be intolerant of ignorance and stupidity. Our biggest epidemic is not Ebola or the winter flu. It is an ep epidemic of ignorance too often promoted by politicians for their own selfish purposes. We must train the young to become dynamic and perceptive leaders willing to shock their fellow citizens out of complacency, to inspire them to think objectively, to examine evidence, to grapple with complexity, and perhaps above all, to honor the work of others with varying views. Wow, it's not too much to disagree with there. However, the viewpoint is the reason why we have so much difficulty talking with other people to resolve issues is because they have an extreme view of the polarity between the two parties. They believe that if you don't support like handing out welfare indiscriminately and with no um, accountability, then that means you're starving the babies and you're you know, punishing people who can't help themselves, and that is not the case. Um, there are many conservative people who don't have any problem whatsoever with helping people who are disadvantaged. They they make it their life's work, but they don't waste it. They use it as a way to help somebody get back up and, and get back on you know get back on a normal living pattern. Um, and at the bottom it says, Peter Mills has practiced law in Portland and Skowhegan. In 2010, he completed 16 years of service in the Maine legislature, having served in both the House and Senate. He has served as executive director of the Maine Turnpike Authority since 2011. This piece first appeared in the Maine Policy Review. Um, you can't say the Mills family hasn't given like their whole life to public service. It's just that they've also helped themselves. So, you know take this stuff with a grain of salt as well. There were a couple of things in there that I related to, but I'm trying to... Um, the size of the House of Representatives keeps coming up. Um, there are some people who have an idea that we should be having maybe county representatives rather than these districts, um, and that that the legislature should be reduced in size. And there's some other ideas that people have too regarding representation, whether or not they should even be getting paid the way they are. Because um, it's not supposed to be a career. It's supposed to be that you go there to represent the people that you live with and then go home and you know, not make a career out of it. So there's a lot of little grumblings here and there regarding our legislature as well. A lot of times they don't even really tell you which party these people are from when they're running. They minimize the identification with the party because, um, I don't know, I guess they figure it's not as important 
in the local sense as it is in the statewide sense. So, um, there's a lot of people that uh, wrote compliments in the comments. Oh, there's 98 comments on there. I'm not going to bother to read them right now. That was enough reading for this point in time. I'm going to go back in the chat. If anybody has any questions I missed, put them in again, please. Um, They might be on a completely different topic. So, um, all right. Lots of stuff regarding um, plans for the world. In other words, like the, you know, the Jade Helm. They're talking about the Walmart stores closing. Um, violence in different cities. My gosh, it's a steady stream of it. I watched the news tonight, and there was another airline incident where people passed out or almost passed out, and the the flight had to take a nosedive to get down to a lower altitude because they didn't know why people were passing out. And I'm sitting there watching it, and honestly, now at this point, we're having incidents with airliners almost every day. Nobody wants to pay attention to what Able Danger and others are trying to bring to attention. They want to call everyone a conspiracy theorist. They don't want to deal with the fact that stuff's going on. So I don't care. I've done what I can as far as telling people this. And when they get on an airplane, I pray for them that they're going to get to the other end and that nobody famous will be on the flight or some airline isn't going to want to make some money off their insurance or whatever. But the fact of the matter is is that most modern airliners have an uninterruptible autopilot on it that can be hacked. Um, and if this happens, the pilot has no control whatsoever of that airplane. The second thing is, is that there is a system on the modern airliners. It's called an ATI system, and it can tranquilize the people in the cabin and if too much of that stuff is in the cabin, it can probably kill the people. Um, this is probably a theory on, on the part of those of us that don't deal in that kind of stuff. But if you told the public this, they would just say, well, that's good because if the plane's going to crash, I don't want to be awake for it anyway. Um, but it can also be used for bad purposes as well. So I'm just saying, if you fly anywhere, you fly a lot, you like to fly, go right ahead and do it. I'm just saying, when you start seeing this stuff every day on the news and you know that flying is supposedly safe and you didn't hear this every day on the news 20 years ago, your brain and your common sense should tell you something's wrong. Um, you know, they're making up stories to try to explain things that they don't understand. And they actually said that tonight on the news. And at this point, it is still a mystery. Yep. I guess they passed out because they were just, I don't know, just because people pass out. They're all sitting in one section of the airliner, by the way, but they just decided that these people that were traveling just decided to start passing out. Whatever. So I'm not going to go into that anymore. That is all through everywhere. If you want to look it up, Boeing Uninterruptible Autopilot and ATI Systems, I forget what it stands for, but it has something to do with tranquilizing injection or something like that. 
sorry to know it. I'm not got, getting on any planes. I was scared to fly in the first place, so I'm not getting on any planes if I can help it. People fly back and forth from Maine to Florida all the time in the wintertime, too. They get on a plane just to go down there for a weekend sometimes because they could get a cheap flight. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. Yeah, get right on that plane. Everything will be fine. And it might be fine. And it might not. You might be, say, on a Malaysian airliner that supposedly is still missing. And no one will even ask where you are after a while because they've moved on because now um, Bruce Jenner is turning into a woman. And that's more important. Or somebody, you know, I don't know, what was the other thing we saw that was so ridiculous? Something else on the news tonight that was totally ridiculous. I was like, yeah, the world is, um, you know, on fire, basically, and they're talking about this stuff that doesn't mean a darn thing. I'm surprised they didn't talk about what color somebody was painting their house. That's how bad it is lately. So, going back to my link, see what else is in here. Carrying on. Um, in northern Maine, a new uh, TV station, well-known station, is being sold. That was kind of a surprise to me, but not really. I know they have to, you know, they have to bring in money or else. Uh, Atlanta company to buy Prescott TV station for $10.25 million. Um, Atlanta-based media company Gray Television, Inc. has agreed to purchase Presque CBS and Fox affiliate WAGM-TV, which it said has some of the highest-rated newscasts and average ratings across all television stations in the country. And um, the current owner is NEPSK, Inc. Um, it's been owned by that company for 30 years. Um, we've been part of this community for the, over 30 years, and many of our employees have been with us since the beginning, said Kozlowski. Gray is a broadcast company with similar beliefs to ours, and we are confident they will follow in our footsteps, having the resources to better serve our employees and our local communities. And um, in a prepared statement, Gray said WAGM was the second highest local station in the country, ranked by average all-day ratings across month-long periods in 2013, 2014, and 2015, when ratings agency Nielsen has households fill out daily diaries of watching. Um, the station's market area spans all of Aroostook County and also the western portion of the Canadian province of New Brunswick. Gray owns and operates stations in 44 markets, reaching approximately 8% of total U.S. households. Well, you know, we talk about media and how it's concentrating into a few hands. I have not heard of Gray Television Incorporated, but um, there may be more about this story later on. It's just something I found interesting. WAGM is something I grew up with back in the old days when we were kids. Um, Sometimes we'd be sad because we couldn't see certain programs because it played whatever program was the one that you know they decided on. They ran more than one network on that station. And um, so w, um, WAGM and uh, a station in New Brunswick were what we mostly saw on television. 
The one in New Brunswick was WCSJ, I believe. That was no C. No, wait a minute. Not W. It's C when you're in Canada. Um, I've forgotten it now. We used to watch all these Canadian children's programs like Mr. Dress Up, which uh, people in southern Maine wouldn't even know what we're talking about. We had programs that we really liked. and um, So we had those two stations, and then we had public television, and that was it. We didn't have like all the range that people had in other places. So. CHSJ, maybe that's it. I don't know. It was across the border in Canada anyway. Okay, so let's see what else I've got on here. Something else going on in Aroostook County that I thought might be of interest, and I know I've been talking a long time, so I'm going to have to drink water pretty soon. Um, but I thought this was of interest because it's kind of like what's going on in other places in the United States, too. I won't read you the whole thing, but just the beginning so you get an idea of it. Aroostook County residents work to ally with Wabanaki people. These are natives, Native Americans. Catherine Olmsted wrote this. Um, it was put up on the Banquet Daily today. Imagine living in a nation where extermination of your race and culture has been official government policy, a country where vestiges of those policies linger. Imagine living in a state that once paid bounties for the scalps of your relatives, a state that did not allow your people to vote until 1967. 22 non-Native American men and women gathered in the basement of St. Mary's Catholic Church in Holton on April 11th to seek a deeper understanding of their shared history and future with members of Maine's Wabanaki communities, Micmac, Maliseet, Penobscot, and Passamaquoddy. They had come from towns in the St. John Valley, central Aroostook County, and the Holton area. Some came with experience in social services, juvenile justice, and foster care, but all were there as individuals, not professionals, to educate themselves and support each other enough to create change in their communities with the goal of justice for Wabanaki people. Um, I, I would say that um, off and on there have been things going on in Maine regarding um, justice for Wabanaki people. And I would always be very cautious about um, dealing with any of this stuff because we've come to learn that um, there's always infiltrators in any group that appears to be doing good work. And um, a lot of times they have a different agenda. And one of the things that um, I worked on when I was still in schools was um, the, the curriculum for bringing in um, the history of Maine from a standpoint of a, a native. And um, so I worked on a lot of the um, curriculum for that. And it was, I believe it was going to be taught in fourth grade, fourth and fifth. Whether or not they implemented it or not, I'm not sure, because it wasn't long after that that I ended up leaving my job. But at the time, we were gathering information about it to see what we could recommend for materials, such as books, and uh, people to come and speak to the kids, and that kind of thing, and to get rid of the stereotyped information that might still be in our textbooks and our library books. So, um, so if you're interested in that kind of stuff, there's a, a link for something going on in Maine. We'll see how it works out, because it sounds to me like it should be 
uh, more collaborative, but I didn't read the entire thing, so I don't know if it is or not. Maybe that's what they're working on. Um, one of the things that happened in Maine was they were refused a chance to have a casino several different times, and then um, we ended up having casinos in Maine after that. So it's, a, it's an issue of fairness also. Um, another thing that has uh, influence in other parts of the United States is something that I just saw this afternoon, which is that um, our governor wrote a letter to Barack Obama opposing the national park. Um, and there's an article about it. And then there's the letter. And I'm going to read the letter because I haven't yet. Here's the article about him writing the letter. And then I'm going to get the letter. I saw it earlier. It's an image of it, so I have to open it to get the image of the letter. The Pages Earth Day letter to Obama. Loading. As long as there's not 50 other people loading at the same time it was written yesterday. I am, Dear Mr. President, I am writing to convey to you and your administration my strong opposition to, to creating a national park in the Katahdin region. There is currently a proposal under discussion that would involve establishing both a national park and a national recreation area in northern Maine. While this proposal is constantly shifting as new objections to the concept arise, recent discussions involve transferring roughly 150,000 acres of land to the federal government for management by the National Park Service. While I appreciate the interest in land conservation, I cannot support ceding control of this land to the federal government, and I will do everything within our power to ensure that this ill-conceived scheme is unsuccessful. I am joined by the Maine Legislature, which, spoke, which last spoke on this issue by adopting the enclosed joint resolution in opposition to the creation of a national park, a joint resolution that received only three dissenting votes from the 186 members of the Maine Legislature. Mainers have a long tradition of outdoor recreation, including hunting, trapping, fishing, snowmobiling, and using ATVs. Unfortunately, the National Park Service largely deems these land uses incompatible with a national park. The creation of another national park in Maine will only diminish the ability of Mainers to access land and great ponds in, in northern Maine for traditional activities. Of particular concern are the potential effects of a national park on the continuity of the snowmobile trail system in Maine, a system that the state and private individuals have invested heavily in for years. Proponents of another national park in Maine have tried touting the economic benefits of this scheme by discussing studies performed by a pro-national park consultancy. These economic promises, based on loose comparisons to other regions of the United States, provide only false hope to those who live in this region the Katahdin region is certainly in need of economic development, but it will not be achieved through a national park. This region's assets include access to important private infrastructure and Maine's forestry resources. These strengths, which will lead to economic recovery, are exactly what, we, what are put in danger by a national park that seeks to prevent the use of Maine's national resources, natural resources. This proposal would have negative ramifications for the immediate area and the rest of the state by placing additional limits on Maine's wood supply. I also have strong concerns regarding the loss of local and state control of this area. 
this land is successfully and actively managed now under existing state and local regulation. It will only be more susceptible to the dangers of forest fire than it is at present due to National Park Service's pro prohibition on timber harvesting. Subjecting this land to federal oversight has the potential not only to take this land off of the tax rolls, but also to shift the center of decision making for this property out of Maine into Washington, D.C. When there are problems with Maine state parks, Mainers know whom to call to get these issues resolved. Federal oversight, however, means Mainers would be dependent on a largely unaccountable and faceless bureaucracy hundreds of miles away to resolve their problems. And the federal government, is the federal government the best steward and best manager of this land? Is the National Park Service that is dependent on annual appropriations and is the subject of occasional government shutdowns the proper entity to oversee more land in Maine. Clearly, this is not government closest to the people. I am also gravely concerned about this proposal's impact on what would be neighboring Baxter State Park. This park, which was established in the 1930s, is one of Maine's greatest achievements and was a gift of former Governor Percival Baxter to the people of Maine. Proponents of this proposal, which would border Baxter State Park, have been silent as to the impact on our existing park. If the proposed national park would really result in the number of visitors projected, how could this proposal not forever change the face of Baxter State Park, which contains the only land of true significance in this area? Governor Baxter himself in 1936 recognized that the state park land was the only land of significance, stating, all the land outside is just more wild land, such land as can be found in countless places within our state. You see, Mr. President, this is not the first time a national park has been proposed in this area. In the mid-1930s, there was serious thought given to making the Katahdin region a national park. Legislation to this effect was even introduced in Congress. At that point, then-former Governor Baxter recognized the folly in this idea, and he successfully waged a personal battle for years to stop a national park from being established in this exact area of Maine. In a letter to Dr. Earl A. Pritchard, who worked for the National Park Service, Governor Baxter stated, I certainly hope the federal government will not come into this region, and as to the second suggestion that Baxter State Park be merged into a national park, it just cannot be done. Governor Baxter, during the height of the Great Depression, did not think that the benefits of a national park in the Katahdin region outweighed what would be lost by the people of Maine. I'm afraid that same calculus still holds true. Maine is no stranger to the cause of conservation, with Baxter State Park being the prime example of this ethic. Currently, more than 3.5 million acres of our state are protected by conservation easements. This includes over 2.1 million acres of productive working forest land. If additional land needs to be protected in the Katahdin region to spur economic development, I welcome that discussion with proponents of a national park, and I would gladly consider expanding Baxter State Park to make that a reality. Federal control of this area, however, is completely unnecessary and counterproductive to growing the economy of this region. I want to be perfectly clear. I, as Maine's chief executive, oppose the establishment of a second national park in Maine. While I remain governor, a national park is not welcome in this state. And he put copies to Secretary of the Interior Sally Jewell, Senator Susan Collins, Senator Angus King, Senator Lisa Murkowski, Murkowski Congresswoman Rochelle Pingree, Congressman Bruce Poliquin, Congressman Robert Bishop.
I did not know Shelly Pinger's name was Rochelle. That's interesting. Um, and the thing about the national parks, too, that people aren't really bringing up very much is that um, this federal land that we have all over the country is um, at times put up for sale. And <laughs> I don't know how they can sell something that they've put aside with the help of the people to get money out of it, but they have done these things. And to me, it's just a slippery slope, as they say. Not something I want to see happen either. So that was the letter from the governor. So on um, National Park. And we keep seeing people giving land away as a preserve, like they die and they leave it as public land. And, you know, eventually we're going to run out of land. It's a finite thing. I mean, if we got up tomorrow morning and everybody decided to donate their land, what are we going to do then? So it's something we need to think about. And it's not just Maine. It's everywhere. So. Um, That's another another issue, and I'm sure there'll be lots of comments on that too. So, <clears throat> and to think that this afternoon I was saying I have nothing to talk about, and here I've talked about all this stuff for this long. But it's uh, some of it's just heads up, and some of it is more in depth. Um, I did. But I'm just checking to see if there's anything else really urgent. Otherwise, I'm going to start winding down. So, um, things to do with the Greek debt, the Greek um, things to do with the financial system. Um, don't forget when you see uh, Christine Lagarde that. She had a connection to Maine Senator Bill Cohen back in the day. That was something I found out that I thought was interesting, little pieces of this and that that's in my head. She used to help him translate because she's French, a French speaker. So when you see Christine Lagarde, um, what's her, her job as IMF chief, I believe, um, remember she knew Bill Cohen well back in the day when he was a senator. And um, another thing I heard last Sunday that on one of those talking head shows, I don't remember which one, but it stuck in my mind because of some of the other research that people are doing about uh, the network control systems, the, um, the um, supposedly secure systems and all that. Uh, somebody just mentioned it in passing. It was like one comment and then they were not really talking about it, but it registered because I was like, oh, really? When the Clintons were in the White House, they rewired the whole building. So they were interested in having you know, their communications and their um, network stuff secure. And um, somebody had said something about they were the most paranoid people that were there ever in the White House at the time. So. I found that interesting. It just stuck in my head that they had it wired. So that was, what, the early 90s? That was about the same time as uh, some of the other revelations that were being exposed about um, Secretary of State Warren Christopher and the um, 
different servers and things that were put in regarding the State Department and how the State Department got control over the executive branch of the government uh, during the mid-90s was when they came on strong with their controls. So that's another one of those things that's just barely out of sight. If you go look up things about the State Department around the 90s, you'll see there's a ton of stories about things going on with uh, networking and I believe that's when laptops were missing and things like that. There was stuff going on then. Okay, let's see. What else? Almost to the bottom of the page here. Um, local stuff, I guess. And I started, uh, I started reading up on Jim Morrison again. I don't know why I saw something and I started listening to the music and looking at him again. A lot of people don't realize that his father was a an admiral in the Navy and that he was actually um, involved with the Gulf of Tonkin incident. So that isn't usually brought up when people talk about Jim Morrison. But he had been estranged from his family because he was you know, bringing attention to an admiral. So it was like he was in some ways used as well. And some people aren't even, aren't even sure he actually died, that he may have just changed his life and gone on with a new identity. So that's just a little exciting little tidbit, too. Okay, I think I got to all my links and all my tabs that I had open. So I'll go back in the chat and see if there's anything else you guys want to talk about tonight. I don't think I have anything else new unless something else occurs to me while I'm talking to you. So, um, Really, Bruce Springsteen's um, ancestors are the Astors. We have some uh, Astor stuff at Able Danger as well. You know who else is an Astor? Jean, Jen Art. Seventeen, I had, I unblocked you because I had to block everybody coming in because they were abusing their privileges to chat. So that's why. As soon as I saw you, I decided I'd let you in and see if you're okay or not. Um, the um, the Astors have connections all over the place, obviously, but the one that we talk about at Able Danger sometimes is uh, Samantha Cameron. And um, you know who Samantha Cameron is, I hope. And also, um, Jane Adams had some Astor connections down in um, down East Maine in uh, Mount Desert Island area. There were Astors down around there too, and Rockefellers. We have all kinds of um, connections in Maine to all kinds of things, just so you know. There were a lot of wealthy people who used to come to Maine to do their uh, business dealings and hang out in the summer in their big mansions. So they enjoyed the coast of Maine, and they used to come here. So there's a lot of, um, if you read into family histories or you ask people who are older that lived in Maine back in the old days, like the early part of the 1900s, they will tell you things that they remember. So, okay, Van Pelt family of New York. 
I will have to look up some of these links. You guys are good at giving me links, and then I don't have time to look at them all because I'm trying so hard to listen to other stuff. Um, I went back to listening to a little bit of Kate Renee, Kate of Gaia, the other day, and uh, found some interesting stuff again. I use those uh, broadcasts or readings sometimes to jumpstart my my brain again and my thought processes about life. And um, I just get such a kick out of it because it's a it's a different way of viewing things. And um, I just I really appreciate the intellect. Let's put it that way. Um, I can find what I was referring to. But there's been stuff going on in the, I call it like the esoteric world in a way, because it's like things that are going on out of sight, behind the scenes, um, individuals doing what they know how to do, not just watching TV and reacting to stuff like, oh, you know, I saw on here about uh, the headline tonight that the House is calling Hillary Clinton back in to testify. All of this stuff is in the um, what we would call the real world, the literal world. And the people on that uh, blog talk radio are talking about the, um, I forget what the word is they use, but it's the, um, the actions that bring about results. They have like a ripple effect in the world. And um, there, there have been some things regarding like the elections in uh, Great Britain or UK as they call it um, where somebody called up and informed them that their elections were um, invalid because the people that were voting were committing fraud because they were using a name that they don't own and it's all about the name. So uh, yeah, on here, I didn't look here, but on the website that has the, the, written, the written essays and things that Kate writes, Namegate, universal political scandal, um, stop, it's illegal to vote. Um, because each voter registration is fraudulent because the legal name and ID is used to register to vote and it's um, not yours to use. So you're using it, not yours to use, so when you use it, you're committing a crime. And so there is no legitimate government because all of it's fraud because you're using something that's not yours and um, just you know same type of thing is that they informed the electoral board or authority and said what are you going to do about this you know now that you know if you didn't know before now you do because I've just told you um, so you get into that that whole idea of you know contributing to a crime because you've been informed, but yet you have made no correction. You're still doing it. So, if you're interested in any of that sort of esoteric way of viewing the world and how you can affect change by just doing what you know is right, um, here's a here's a link to that. I I heard them talking about it a couple of days ago. I was listening to it and I was really into it. I was enjoying it a lot. So I've talked about. I've talked about Kate of Gaia before. She is a transgendered person or transsexual person or, bi or uh, um, I forget what the word is for a person that's born as both sexes, um, but lived as a man, has daughters, was married, 
um, write beautiful songs, is extremely bright, and accomplished in moving things forward for all of humanity. And Jen Art's saying Kate is a shill, and that's Jen Art's opinion. I don't have it. Um, man's voice, because Kate was born as, um, was named on a birth certificate as Wilfred Keith Thompson. So worked as a contractor, as a pilot, scuba diver, singer. So um, I don't agree with you, Jean. So anyway, people can have their own opinions. I expect people to have their own opinions. I just don't agree with Jean on that. So there you go. Um, if you're interested in that, go listen to a couple of um, calls or read stuff. I was just thinking tonight how much different my life was after the realization that I had from talking to the the people that happened to be on on a particular night. It's not always the same people. But I was listening to it. I called in. I called in a few times within a few weeks, and then I didn't really call again. But they helped me to realize by asking me a couple of questions what was wrong in my life that I had not known since ever. And so I consider them, I give them respect whether or not I agree with everything. I seldom agree with everything that anyone says. But my life changed on that particular day because of what was said to me. And it was not told to me to do. But what it was was... um, a question, actually, that made me think about things. And the, the go ahead, Jean, send me something if you want. Um, and the question was, at what point in your life, or something similar to this, at what point in your life did you believe, did you believe or start to believe, I'm not sure how it was worded now, that you were responsible for other people? Okay, thanks, Jean. Talking to James, I misunderstood. Um, And I was like, huh? I didn't get it. I was really conflicted at the time because I felt like I was going to be abandoning somebody who needed my help, and I was very conflicted because I knew that I couldn't stay doing what I was doing, but um, I didn't want to abandon somebody because it's not my thing. I don't abandon people. I might make changes, but I would never abandon somebody. If they were my close friend, I'm very loyal. And um, so I went, I started thinking about it, like, I don't know, the next day I thought about it a lot, because I'm like, what does that mean? When I believed I was responsible for other people. I've always believed that. So I started thinking about it, like, when did it start? When did I first remember being responsible for for another person? And I was four. And I was just floored by that. I was four years old. How can you make a decision when you're four years old? But I did. And it was because my baby sister was born. And my mother told me I was responsible for her because that was my baby sister. And I never stopped being re- I still, in a lot of ways, feel responsible for her. And, I mean, she's almost 60 years old. Time for me to quit worrying about her. She's an adult. <laughs> but it it was, you know something I've always done. Uh, You know, if I was with a group of kids playing, I was always responsible for whoever got hurt. I would take care of them. I was responsible at school. 
I was made like a junior teacher my whole life at school. It's why I liked schools. I felt like I was contributing something. It's why I worked in schools. And so I basically gave my life to other people the whole time. And I was just shocked by that revelation. It was like, hey, other people don't do that. Why don't they do that? Well, because they don't have that innate, you know, responsibility from a young age, I guess. So, anyway. Um, so I just, you know, I have thought a lot about things. I've really had a big change anyway in the last couple of years because of circumstances. Some of them that were just, you know, kind of shocking to me. If you think you're having a mutual relationship with somebody, you know, they're close. You think that they're close and you're operating on a whole different system than they are. It's a big shock when they leave. It's worse than death because they're still there. And you're like, okay, I'm grieving, but you're still there. And I know there's people in the room right now that know what I'm talking about. So anyway, that's me rambling. Um, And Yapancha is wanting to kill everybody, so sorry, Yapancha. I hope I said your name right. It's sad. You sound like uh, Prince Philip, is it, that wants to be come back as a virus so he can kill everybody? I prefer to have everybody be happy and successful. That's what I'd like to do. But then again, if I was queen, which we've discussed before, my world would have different operation than what we're doing now and I'd be a nice queen too by the way but the kingdom would be run it wouldn't be like just chaos and confusion it would be run by certain laws and the laws would be followed and people would want them followed so and I am um I put a cough drop in my mouth because I'm getting really croaky now. So I don't know. Are you calling in tonight, Desert Pete? If I haven't put you to sleep. We have to have uh, some other views on how we're going to fix the world because I don't want to just, like, you know, releasing weapons and stuff. I like gum. I just don't get to chew gum anymore because aspartame's in all the gum now. And I won't chew on aspartame or knowingly drink it. So no soda, diet soda. I think they're upset with us because we're not dying quickly enough. All their stuff didn't work out. They sent Ebola. They sent, you know, chemtrails, aspartame, GMO food, all the stuff to poison the heck out of us. And we're just not, we're not dying soon enough. So I don't know what they're going to think up next. There are some cool stories lately, though, of people who have had miraculous recoveries, and one of them I saved, which I just I loved. It was something I saw by accident on Facebook. So if I have time, I might remember to share that later. But right now I'm going to answer Desert Pete and see what he's got going on. Hi, Desert Pete. Yeah, good evening. How are you doing tonight? Oh, kind of blue, but whatever. <laughs> oh, I was like that all day yesterday. I was like, man, i got to get up off this couch because I just can't sit here. That's bad, isn't it? I, I've 
joked way too long. My my middle name is Sucker Punch, but uh, uh-huh. no. Uh, if it is, it, just as I'm recovering from one, another one hits me, and you know, yesterday was really kind of personal, so I don't want to talk about it on the air. But uh, okay, sorry. Uh, at least it's not health related. I'm still in good health and whatever. But uh, uh, something I had great hopes of of uh, materializing into something really big uh, yesterday just got knocked back. Uh, a couple of months worth of, of of work and effort just kind of wasted, but uh, that's just life. Yeah, uh, it's, the, it's the starting and stopping, starting and stopping. Ugh, horrible. I know, and and redoing tracks that you thought you'd already laid down solid. And well, and not only that, I I mean I hear you because what happens is you end up using your energy on dead ends, and it's like. You know, I put a lot of work into that. I could have been doing something different, but we just get up and we keep trying again. Yeah, your your comments there on uh, something goes wrong in your bank balance and an automatic charge hits and yeah. screws up everything, and now you've got a cascading series of $35 overcharges. Yeah, you. and they have control of it. I don't. That's, uh, that's the poor tax, as I put there in the well, chat. Uh, the thing that I plan to do is I'm just not going to put money in the bank anymore. They can play with their own money on their own time because they they don't deserve my deposit. Yeah, well, w- without going into details, that that was my big setback this week. Is uh, oh man, a a different than normal bank account was uh, was looking real good, and then uh, uh, somebody sabotaged it. And, uh, oh, great. And it's suddenly making me look bad, and I'm thinking, I didn't do that. Somebody else did that. And Oh, but it's your account. Right. Well, Computer, you know, the quantifying. But I didn't do that. What, what are you accusing me of here? Uh, th- this is crazy. So, the computer uh, said you did it. Well, yeah. And uh, the the next thing is talking to that particular bank's security department. I'm thinking, well, let's work together and figure out who did this. Oh, that's the last thing in their mind. It happened in your account. Yeah. You're responsible. Yeah. You may you may now negotiate with the bank on paying back this grotesque error. Excuse me, it's not my error. I didn't do that. Oh, but it happened yeah. in your account, and you have to, you have to uh, uh, set up payments on on this immediately. I'm thinking, this is, this is insanity. They are insane. They don't have any brain inside. It's all, uh, it's all mechanical in nature. Yeah. I mean, it really is. They're not, they're not functioning on anything other than a mechanical type brain. It's like these are the rules. Five well, things, the, and they don't go outside that. Bankers, tax people, they all go for the easy money. If they see huh? a, a name in front of them, let's shoot them. I mean, it's it's like these this new generation of low IQ cops that we're, we're that we're seeing horrible videos of. Uh oh, that guy might uh is is in the wrong place at the wrong time. Let's shoot him. Yeah, really. And. It looks They're like, not human beings to them. They're subjects. Yeah, well, it, it, uh, 
it's appearing that banking security departments think the same way. Oh, here's somebody we, we have. We know where this person lives, so let's take money from him. Yeah, but excuse me, it was some jackass on the other side of the world hacking away that caused this problem. Why didn't you put a little effort into finding out who the other character is? Oh, that's too All difficult. Right. No, you're a real name. Let's go after you. Oh, boy, thanks a lot. Uh, so anyway, I may recover, but uh, it just kind of knocked the wind out of me. Jumping on to a lighter topic, i got to thank you for that picture you sent me. Oh, uh, you're welcome. As, as far away as, as the, and tell the audience, Ginger was in the right place at the right time to capture a picture of a missing airplane. <laughs> as, as I don't image. think that one was missing, was it? That was the big one. That was the 225. Well, it was part of the, the Antonov fleet. Okay. And the whole fleet suddenly moved out of Ukraine. Uh, that's the, the spooky thing in the news there. And the fact that one of them flew through Bangor and you had your camera ready, well, congratulations. That, that's... They, but this one was going from Houston overseas. It came from Houston to us and then overseas. Okay. Across the Atlantic, but we knew about it several days earlier because it was supposed to come and then didn't because it hadn't left Houston. It had some type of mechanical. Okay. And then it came through, but, I mean, it was in Houston. It, I don't think it was related to that other story, really. Well, as rare as that fleet is, whenever heavy cargo has to move in the world, it's that fleet of planes that does it. Right. This, that, they said it was the biggest one. Yeah, because they can move cargo heavier than anything else in the entire American cargo fleet. Uh, now, America does have some special purpose planes. Oh, one called the Super Guppy or something that... Yeah. Uh, has an, an enormous fuselage for putting something in, but it cannot handle the weight that the, the antenna can do. The I think we might have seen what you're talking about because we, uh, two or three years ago, I think it was, we were driving out, because if you'd ever been in Bangor, you'd know what I mean, but on one end of the runway, it's right there next to a city street. I mean, it's like if you're driving by and there's something sitting there, you're going to see it. Yeah. It was huge, and we stopped because it was such an unusual plane. It had Russian written all over it, mm. but I don't think it was the one that we all, you know, we see some that say Volga, Dnieper, or whatever on them. Uh-huh. This, I don't think, had that on it. It had Russian writing. We couldn't read it, and it was such an unusual sight, especially that it was Russian, that we were talking to people in the next car. We were like, what the heck is that? You know, why is that here? And it was mm-hmm. huge. It was, I'd never seen anything as big as that. And um, they said, oh, it, you know, it comes through every once in a while, but, yeah, it's unusual to see it. And they were telling us all about it. And I said, I thought the Russians were, you know, <laughs> our enemies, basically. And we were laughing about it because in the news they would be telling you all about the Russians, you know, and the Russians this, and they can't be trusted. Yet here we are doing business with them because here's the, stupid huge cargo plane (laughs) and it was just it was such an unusual sight and i think it might have been what you're talking about because the fuselage on that thing was just it didn't look like it could possibly fly (laughs) (laughs) was giant uh yeah but uh but no uh, aerospace aficionado that i am 
Oh, yeah, I got pictures of lots of stuff on various computers here, but uh, to yeah. have a picture of that particular plane that was shot by a friend was is kind of a yeah. badge of honor. So. Well, cool. I'm glad because I didn't think it showed that well. Um, what I did was I just um, used a tablet computer and um, okay. I just kept taking pictures. I probably could have had a better setting if I'd known what to do with it, but I just was pointing it in the general direction and taking a bunch of pictures because I couldn't really see in the lighting, whether or not I was getting it. So I was just kind of looking at it with the naked eye and going, well, it's near that tree, and uh, just holding it up and taking them until I could get one. Yeah, uh, that, that 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 big shape moving slowly on the skyline has to be it. <laughs> and that was oh, it. Oh, it was, really, it was really cool. Well, of course, there were hundreds of people over there because they knew it was coming and they wanted to see it. So they yeah. were all over the lawns, all over. A, it's a fairly large flat area because it used to be an air force base mm -hmm. and it still has a, a national guard um air air guard uh the maniacs 101 101st refueling wing i think it is uh -huh. so it's still used some but it's not as busy as it used to be and um if you looked at a map of bangor you would see that people can't fly in and out of here during the day without being seen there's no way they could hide it. It's not like out in the desert or, you know, off a road somewhere out in the yeah. some area out of a city. It's in our city. Like there's a there's a sign that if you're getting on one of the ramps onto the interstate system, I-95, if there's a sign there that says uh, low-flying aircraft because people have been known to, like, go off the road because all of a sudden they have a jet over their head. And... They, I think after September 11th, they tried to minimize some of the visual, um, whatever you call it, the, the distance. Because you could literally see the entire length of that runway from the road all the way to Herman, which is where it ends, another town. It's that long of a runway. And you could see the whole distance of it. Because they, they come in, their final approach from that side comes right in over the interstate, and it's right there. So if you're driving past that that part, you see all the landing lights, you see everything there. You're driving right beside that. And then um, on the part where I took that picture, I was standing on the lawn near the General Aviation building, and there's just a lawn there. And the building that shows uh, to the right of the picture is uh, Main Aero, A-E-R-O, which is an avionics um, hangar for working on people's small planes. So we're, if we're sitting there, you know, having coffee and watching planes come in and out, we'll see these little private planes parked there that have had work done on them or people, rich people fly in and get their plane and take it somewhere up to the lakes and land it, their water ones, you know, their pontoon ones. So it's pretty interesting. We've had, you know, a lot of access <laughs> to the airport areas. Mm -hmm. And um it's not very secure. Not not by the way people would expect it to be. Yeah, that's uh, they're at a auto parts place and be underneath an airplane landing. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the picture you sent me I, I cropped in kind of between the cluster of people there and, and shared that with some yeah. friends. But, uh, but when yeah. you crop in close, you can you can count, you know, six inches on that thing, and that's huge. <laughs> yeah, the the place where it was um, is generally where I described. It 
in that picture. It was probably just over the clover leaf where um, I-95, 395, and Route 2 come together. So if you had a map out, you could look at it. I don't know if it if I could find a map that would show it, but um, that's roughly where it would be. And and one night we were actually sitting on the on the road over there. It's called Audlin Road. Um, we were sitting on the road uh, waiting for these fighters to come in because there were all these fighters coming in. This was two or three years ago too. It was about, I think, 4.30 in the afternoon or so. So people were driving around, and all of a sudden they see these fighters coming in. It's unusual to see that now. So they were all like, oh, my God, look, there's fighters. You know, we got to get out there. So they, they get out of their cars because they've got, like, camera, you know, digital cameras and stuff, taking pictures of these. Right. Well, I was so excited and agitated that I called Field McConnell on the phone, on my cell phone. I was like, what's going on? You know, oh, my God. Then I realized that, I couldn't hear him because of the jets. So I just held my phone out the car window as these <laughs> these jets are flying. Because I said, does this sound familiar to you? And these jets are flying over our heads. And it was deafening because they were, I mean, I don't know how many feet over our heads. Not very, very high. And um, then after they'd all gone by, I took the phone back and I said, um, did you hear that? And he says, who is this? <laughs> it was so funny. I said, I'm really sorry. I said, I thought I'd be able to, you know, talk, but it was too loud. And he just kind of, okay. So I said, I'm sorry, I won't do that again. <laughs> I felt so embarrassed because he, I think he was irritated because he was probably doing something, you know, or in a meeting or something. And here I am calling like, do you hear this? This is making you, you know, remember the old days? But it's, you know, it's one of the reasons why we can see things that are going on if we just pay attention because it's, we they can't hide it here. If we and you know we talk about it with other people sometimes, and if you're up at two or three in the morning, there's stuff going on, and I think it's because they don't want people to see it traveling through whatever it is. So some night I'll have to get up in the middle of the night and camp out somewhere and just sit and watch what's going in and out. It would be hard to see it in the dark, but. Something's going. They're moving through here, so you know. Yeah, whatever these uh, nationwide uh, military exercises are going on, Jade Helm or some variation yeah. of that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The it's active out here, and I'm hearing helicopters after dark, which I don't usually hear in this area. Yeah, you were going to be in one of the prime areas because they were talking about both states there. Yeah. Uh, and one time it was more jets going over than usual, and then another time it was more helicopters than usual. Yeah. And then I think I mentioned last week, it was one time, kind of in the middle of the night, I hear a large propeller plane and a jet together. And, well, it's a rare combo that they fly together, but... Uh, but that was coming through middle of the night. And, uh, well, I think they said that they have, like, some things are there for support. You know, they fly together oh. for support. Yeah, I put a Yahoo map in there, and all it does is open up everything, all the northeast. Um, okay. if, if somebody put a Bangor map up and show it, you know, where you can zero in, you can see 
it didn't give me the same thing when I opened it again in the chat, but I'm looking right at it. Um, the, you can see 395 and 95 come together where Route 2 is, and um, you can see the, the it shows the airport, and it's right there. It's like near the the golf course and the river. It, you can't miss things coming in and out. In fact, when people are downtown during the day on Main Street or down by the river, you can sit there and see the planes coming in and go, oh, look at that one, look at that one. You know, you can pick out which airline it is because it's coming right over us. So they would have to, you know, put an extremely high fence, <laughs> like several miles in the air, or uh, relocate the airport for people not to see what's going on. So... And they're interested, so they actually go and watch flights just because they enjoy it. So that's been going on a long time. We used to go with our kids and just sit there and have a picnic and watch, like, fighters take off because the kids love seeing the afterburners. So, and their dad worked there, so we all kind of worked there doing different things back in the old days. So take a look if you're interested in that stuff. Yeah, I've got Google Earth now. I'm trying to zoom in. As the pixels load slowly here, I guess. Is it a map or a view? Uh, Google Earth, uh, the map. The map, okay. Uh, um, well, the um. You zoom in on. I'll tell you roughly where I live too, because I've told people before I'm not that far from the airport. Um. There's a place called Hayford Park, which is a. Uh, is um near one of the schools roughly near that. There's a, a stream that goes through Bangor that is called Kanduskeg Stream that goes into the river and it's showing on the maps. Um, there's going to be a canoe race this coming Saturday. Oh, oh the Delayed stream on the one week because of is, ice. The, is that the stream on the north side of the airport there? Um, yeah, I guess it's sort of north. Northeast-ish? There on the map I'm looking at it says Concord Coach Lines too, which is the bus one of the bus terminals. Um, and 95 goes right through Bangor. People use it like one of the streets sometimes to go quickly from one part of Bangor to the other. It's just you know it's an interesting place. When we first moved here, it was hard to find places because it's not really laid out in a grid. The major streets are more like spokes on a wheel. That's the way they describe it. So as you go further away from town, they're further apart. But in town, they seem like it seems like it's parallel, like you go from one big street to the next big street. Okay, so but we have that, that stream going through the middle. So we have the east side and the west side, and um, that stream has, um, you know, it causes a geographic break in the city. It's hard to get across some places because there's no way to cross the stream. So as that plane was coming in, was he coming in from the southeast or from the northwest? Um, right over the interstate, coming in he, on that side. So, so he was just where above I took the interstate. That picture, okay. Let me see where I took that picture. Um, i go in a little stronger so it shows like the names of the streets. Do you have names of streets on yours? Yeah. Okay. Um, I was on... Um, Venture Way or... I don't even know where Venture Way is. Two, oh, no, that... Uh, In Street, 222. Venture Way is features. something they've added. It says Main Avenue, 
Main Avenue goes up and around the edge of the airport on that side. Called Main Avenue, spelled like Main, M-A-I-N-E. Goes right along. There's Texas Avenue, Florida Avenue, um, and where it was was. Let's see if I can get this up here a little bit. You see Hammond Street on your map, two and two A, going roughly east to west. Venture Way, you saw Venture Way. Yeah, that, that go was down the southeast. page or go left and Main Avenue's right there in Audlin Road. Goes right along where the edge of the property is of the airport. Route two oh. comes right in there. Audlin Road. Audlin, we call it Audlin. Audlin. Yeah. Audlin Road. See how it curves around there by the end of the runway? Right. That is a major road. Everybody drives across that way to go over to Route 2 and the interchange on that side. There's an Irving gas station, plaza. There's hotels there. There's a ground round, which is a restaurant. There's um, an auto parts place. There's a place where they paint airlines. They paint for airlines. They change the livery on them. It's an Australian company that went in there. And all these things are right there where you can see them easily. And then, um, like I said, if you're on the interstate driving, people can be flying right over your head as you're getting on that interstate right there because they're coming in on final approach. Yeah. Where we were when I took that picture, I'm trying to see if I can find exactly where we were. Um, it looks like we were probably in... Um, Maybe that is Venture Way, trying to make sense of it, because I don't recognize that name. But I see all the little driveways and little roadways that go right up to the edge of the tarmac. So I think that's where we were. We were in there. Because I don't know where, I don't know how else they would have it. I'm trying to, Florida Avenue is where the catering was, where my husband worked. And then the Army Guard base is right near the end of that. So I'm thinking where I took the picture, I was over near where it says Venture Way. It must be one of the names. I'll have to look and see what the sign says when we're over there. Saying every state except <laughs> except Florida. Florida Avenue is um, right next to the runway area, too, the tarmac area. They show it as gray on the map I'm looking at. The whole airport looks gray, and it's right on the edge of it. Union Street is one of our major streets. It goes from downtown all the way out to another town. You could travel on that way out to other towns. That's Route 222. So it's just, you know, everything's right there because it used to be an air base. So a lot of these places that are now just residential areas and streets, were once um, base-connected families and stuff. Up on the other end towards where it says, uh, looks like it says Marin Street or something like that, Maniac Avenue, that's where the Air, the air Guard base is, is up on that end. So they can hide things up there because that end of the runway is out of sight. 
it's heavily forested between Union Street and that, and um, gated, so you don't just drive in and look at stuff. Yeah, the, in the, the old days, you could go into the end of Downing Road, which is out Union Street a little ways. You could go into the end of that, and there's a gate there. You used to be able to go in there and walk around. That's grassy up in there, but now it's blocked. You can't go in there. They could hide airliners in there. They could hide military stuff in there. You're right. The northwest end of the runway is very foliated. A lot of yeah. And um, that's Harmon out there on the other side. Fuller Road and all that. That's Harmon. That's another town. That's how long that runway is. So it's pretty amazing. And they keep it open even in snowstorms. They have, like, continuous plowing. It's open almost all the time. So we're proud of our airport. We really like it, but it's not anywhere near like it was back in the 70s, which is when it was in its prime for commercial stuff. It was running 24 hours a day. They had charter flights all the time through here for clearing customs and um, traveling to, you know, anywhere really, Disney or Central America, they would come through Bangor. So Yeah, the, the satellite picture shows uh, between the two white uh, touch here lines on, on the runway, it looks like 9,135 feet it says. So uh, with the safety extensions and whatever, that's a 10,000 10, foot runway. So that, that's like two miles, yeah. That's huge. It's huge, and um, the development around Bangor lately has been really interesting because they added, like, a, um, I don't even know what it is, if it's a training place or what it is, but they added something to the guard base that's out on the other side towards, um, if you look where 395 comes in, that um, Route 2 comes around and it goes out. It, Route 2 is a U.S. highway. It goes all the way to New Hampshire. If you follow it, it goes all the way across Maine. But um, on that side, up in some of those roads, up behind like industrial parks and stuff, they built some big facility in there. They have a lot of uh, room up in there. And um, I can't place it on this map right now by looking at it. I'm not sure if it's showing on here. But we drove up and around there, too, and it was all this brand-new stuff. And, and, you know, there's been a lot of money put into this. So that's why when people say, you know, there's been a big buildup, I believe them because I've seen some of it. And they'll, they'll take military um, equipment across the roads to go up to the other side where the old Army base is. And it just when I see them, I yell at them out the window and tell them to get off the roads because I don't think they should be driving around in those things in town. <laughs> but they won't listen to me, you know. But I do yell at them occasionally. I'll tell them, get off the road. Because to me, that's a violation. I don't think they should have military stuff driving around town anywhere. They probably have a waiver, but... Oh, military thinks they can get away with anything, and they usually I mean, do, really, though, we're not supposed to have that kind of atmosphere where we live. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know. So, well, it's, yeah, it's, that's my little geography lesson for Bangor, Maine. I've lived here since 1969, so ask me a question. That's what they always say on Godlike Productions. They'll say some comment, and then they'll go, ask me a question. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a populated area. You you, you reference not, not like it's in the desert. Well, out here, if you, if you scan around on, on Google Satellite Pictures, 
uh, you'll find five and six thousand foot runways literally in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by nothing but tumbleweeds and rattlesnakes. Yeah. What are they doing with an airport out in the middle of that? It connects to nothing. There might be a no, dirt road going to it, and that's it. It might have like a underground base too, where they just you know drop down well, a few levels, and nobody knows because now that's possible. Anything. Yeah. And if you have... another place that's a military part, I just remembered because we had a storage building out there. If you you know where you saw Allen Road. Yeah. If you go out past the end of the runway, um, Allen Road goes out, and it kind of has a hook in it next to the interstate. But if you go straight at the hook, that shows like a little branched off little road into nothing. All of that over there is also shaded on my map because it's probably also owned by the base. It's land that's not developed. And in there um, is where there were storage facilities um, for rent. But it was an old... Um, like missile insulation thing. It had, uh, you know, the underground tunnel systems and bunkers and things in there. And um, I'm trying to think what they called it. It has a name. I want to say ammo. I think it is ammo, the ammo. Um, and it was probably turned back into, you know, being used for commercial use, but it still got remnants of stuff from the old days in there. And... Uh, when I was young and going to college, I knew people that were in the Air Force, and they talked about there being nuclear stuff in there, that it was, you know, armed, that whole area, that they worked on it. So whether it's true or not, people didn't talk about things quite as much, but that's all industrial park area now out that way, and there's a like a racetrack out there, so they don't bother anyone. It's noisy out where nobody cares. So, a lot of little interesting things like that around town. Yeah, well. I'm trying to see if I can spot where Stephen King's house is in case anyone cares. <laughs> Route 2, where it comes in there by the end of the runway, too, that's what I was asking you before if you saw that. It ends there. It's a street, Hammond Street. It ends right at the end of the runway. People driving out, coming home from work, would be looking right straight at where where um, the airplanes might be waiting to take off, <laughs> just waiting for their clearance to go. They'll be sitting there. Some of those little, like, executive jets or whatever will be sitting right there. Right. And you just go, oh, I wonder who that is. You know, it's like commonplace to see somebody there. And uh, I would say on a normal weekday, I probably drive past that airport at least once, sometimes more than once, because there's loops that I take to do things, and I come back past there. So um, find Stephen King, where Stephen King is, his house. Um, where Hayford Park is and Union Street, um, it is... I don't see a name on the street. I don't see it marked. Let's see if I can get, they go in more names on the street. Um, Hayford Park actually 
I believe, backs up on the back of his property. So um, Pier Street, where's the other one? I'm, I'm confused because, like I said, we get used to thinking of it as a grid, and it really isn't. Cedar Street comes up from downtown right near there, comes up, and Hayford Park is showing near the top where it looks like just a T intersection. I don't see that street marked at all, but that's the street he lives on is the cross street. It's called West Broadway. But I don't see it marked on this map. The one I'm looking at. So Union Street, turn the corner onto West Broadway and down about maybe four or five mansions is where Stephen King lives. And the back the backyard would go down a hill towards Hayford Park. And then 13th Street, on the other side of Hayford Park, is where the schools were, where his kids went to school, and how come I knew his kids, because I worked there. So everything's close together. And then the other side of town is where the Secretary of Defense lived and grew up on the east side of Bangor, which is over where he grew up was um, East Summer Street, which is down near the river on that side. Route 2 going the other direction towards Orono. State Street and East Summer Street in there. So there, you've had your tour of Bangor using a map. Someday we'll have to get a little video and go out and travel around town and show you in real life what it looks like because my tablet will take little videos too. So I can make a video file also. So. Good night to people leaving. I see some people are saying good night. Thanks for coming. I don't blame you guys for needing to hit the hay. It's been stressful lately. Yeah. <laughs> They're saying internet family. That's true. We have our internet families now. So. Yeah. Well, outside of just saying that planes are flying around here a little more than usual, I don't have too other much. Uh, much other news uh, from out here. We've heard we've heard some other like things off and on, but it's still not what I would call really active. Like right after the Haiti earthquake, that was suspicious. <laughs> Remember the yeah. Haiti earthquake? They mobilized right. all kinds of help. We heard jets taking off continuously for hours that day. It was like when they were supposedly sending all this help. It was like deafening in the house, and I hadn't heard anything like that probably since I was a child growing up near Loring. I I couldn't imagine why there was so much traffic through here because it seemed like they could go to Haiti easier in another direction. So I don't know why it was like that, but you could barely hear yourself speak in the house. Yeah, Haiti, you'd think they'd be departing from Miami or something. But, uh... Somewhere other than here. I don't know what they were there. sending. Maybe equipment or something that they had stored around different places. I don't know. But it was just loud. <laughs> so. Oh, who knows? They, they just got lots of toys. And, Not uh, really. I play with them. Uh, oh, the disturbing. I'll put the link in. My, my usual energy page is put the uh, stories up. And let me my own link here. Good. 
somebody flew a little toy drone right onto the roof of the Japanese uh, Prime Minister's office building. Hmm. And somebody went up to uh, look at the roof for general maintenance, and they found a drone sitting there. And lo and behold, it had some Fukushima radiation particles on it. So it was radioactive. And nobody saw it come in. It was just found there. See, I can't talk and, and paste at the same time here. Let me get it. People seem to think these drones are such a great idea. I've had people say, oh, they're great. They're wonderful. I don't think they're wonderful. They can go yeah. and love them all they want. I don't love them. I think they're ridiculous. They are. The, they're, uh, the... I mean, they're talking about them getting too close to airliners and everything else. So, you know. Yeah, the uh, the far left column on that link I, uh, I put up there uh, okay. just uh, has, well, two co two depressing stories that I put up there on the, today's date, the, the 23rd. Yeah. On uh, on basically the, the Pacific Ocean falling apart and, and fish populations just dropping off. The, the sardine population has just kind of disappeared. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, newborn whales aren't lasting more than a year before they die as infants. Um, it's it's a depressing mess out there. And now we see that, uh, as as I point out in my my own wording there, uh, all these rare uh, radioactive isotopes and and whatnot used to be under extreme military protection and security. But after Fukushima, it just kind of leaked all that crud everywhere and blew it up into the atmosphere. And now a uh, uh, an alleged terrorist only needs a Geiger counter and a broom and dustpan to go collecting some really nasty stuff. Doesn't make sense, does it? And, and we now see with this drone, and well, shucks, on the White House, somebody flew a drone right onto the, the White House property last week, I think it was. Uh, and so it doesn't take a particle very big to do some nasty damage to people. And somebody wearing the proper protective clothing and armed with nothing but a Geiger counter and a broom somewhere near Fukushima can find these particles, sweep them up, take a piece of tape and tape them to a drone and then just fly it in wherever they want. And whoever goes over and naively picks the thing up and wonders, what's this piece of tape got on it? Well, you've just been contaminated with who knows what. Clear up to plutonium. Yeah, and we can't really we can't really do anything about this stuff. We have no way to protect ourselves against it. I know. The, the, this is beyond the cat being out of the bag. This is, yeah. this is the really okay. stuff. Really nasty stuff being out, uh, let out of the bag. Yeah. So uh, all we can do is just go on with our lives and hope that our banks don't close our accounts and we can still uh, have a debit card to buy some groceries with at the end of the week, assuming the automatic deposits from whatever <laughs> continued to work. And if those stop, uh, yeah, automatic uh, charges are bad enough, but what if like in my case, Social Security, what happens if that stops? And how many people are, get automatic deposits from uh, from the regular paycheck go into the bank? Well, 
let's hope it continues to go, continues to work. Wow. Because um, if uh, if the whole credit card system goes down, it's just instant chaos. Yep, and it will be too. They don't even realize. Yeah, I've noticed. Uh, well, thanks to inflation, one of the ATMs here locally is is dispensing fifty dollar bills now. Hmm. Uh, that's kind of been a long time coming. But uh, as stuff gets more expensive, the the fifty is becoming the new twenty. I don't have fifty dollars at a time lately, so I'll be like, so much for that. <laughs> I hear you there. Uh, I mean, what's the point of putting it in there if you can't get it back out again? I don't think that people will be putting it in there in Maine. We have $50. We're lucky to pay a bill so or get food. So it won't be happening. They'll be yeah. going back to cash more than they do now. Yeah. Well, in, in my case, $50 is, only happens when when some something big has to transact, like changing the title on a vehicle or something. Yeah. And... Uh, other than that, nope, that's uh, that's not easy money. But anyway, we've. Uh, uh, I think you and I have beat the the topic of poverty uh, uh, horse really uh, half to death. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't go away. So that's why the topic keeps coming up every week. Uh, just as um, I get my hopes up, some somebody on the other side of the planet does something screwy and uh, messes me up. Well, I may recover. We'll try. We do the best we can. I'm going to end on something uplifting tonight. So. Very good. So, so let me get off, and and you can close on a positive note then. It is a positive thing. It's a very interesting story that I happened upon from seeing something on Facebook, and why I think Facebook can be um, so good for people, even though they may not be. Um, um, knowing these people personally because that's always the criticism is you don't even know these people, right? So that's no. the reason why I want to share it because I just was checking in. I was cleaning a Facebook page off today and I came upon the link and I wanted to look into it and see if there was any update. Um, and when I saw the update, I was just thrilled. I was completely thrilled and I thought, well, I should share this and uplift some other people too. So um, that's what I'm going to end with. So. Okay. Well, okay. go to it, and I'll sign off and say goodnight to everybody, and we'll hopefully catch everybody next week. Okay. Thanks, and good luck. I hope things turn around soon. <laughs> I hope so, too. Yeah. All right. Okay, bye-bye. Bye for now. Um, this, this is not my normal thing. I don't get into the religion stuff or anything. This is somebody else's experience, but I was so uplifted by it. Like I said, I wanted to end with something that was uplifting. So if you're you know, dead set against hearing anything that has any religious tones to it, then by all means, I won't be offended if you leave. But I do believe that prayer works. I believe that this person was saved by divine intervention. And... So I'm, that's what I'm starting with. So I won't be offended if anyone leaves. If you're interested, please stay, because I think it's an amazing story, and I wish that things like this would happen for everyone. Okay. Um, what happened was 
um, uh, the beginning of April. I'm going to see what the date was. April 10th, um, someone shared this with me, and I don't know how I got it. I don't know if it was someone from Texas who I do have some relatives there that maybe saw it or knew this person. I don't know how I first came to know about this. But the woman's name is Penny Ross Lopez, and she's the mother of this man, okay? And what she posted on April 10th was, Prayer warriors, I need immediate prayers going up from my son Clint, who is in the Army in Germany. He is in ICU in an induced coma with breathing tubes. He collapsed on his run this morning, and his heart stopped for 20 minutes before Mediflight arrived and shocked his heart. After six shocks, they had a pulse. God has so brought angels into my life to open the gates to get me a passport and flight out all within hours. He will remain in a coma until tomorrow when they can begin to cool his body down and see the miracles God can perform. Please pray for a miraculous ending to this story and for the strength his wife Michaela needs at this time. I want to thank the soldiers that performed CPR on Clint nonstop for 20 minutes trying to revive him until they arrived at the medic. Their oxygen during this time may very well be where God began his miracle on my son. I will try to update you when I arrive at his side. I believe with Christ we all can believe in miracles, and I am cashing in my biggest prayer ever at this moment. Thank you, Eric, for being my rock and rushing me to Dallas to get on my flight. And she, this is the mother of the guy, and she put a picture of her son and his baby son with it. And um, I see people on here that liked it that I know, but it could just be that they saw it shared from my page because I did share it. I was like, of course I would pray for a mother's son. Um, serving overseas, stationed in Germany, and she's that far away. She's in Texas and can't get there. It was, you know, somebody in prime of life. Why did he collapse? You know, that kind of thing. So it was a big shock. So I had gone to check back in to see how things resolved, if he had died or what had happened. And I saw a very healthy-looking man, and I was just shocked. He appeared to have no ill effects whatsoever. Um, she got there, um, and she has, in the meantime, has posted different things about, you know, the continued prayers, and there's pictures of him in his hospital bed with all his buddies around him. Um, it's just a very uplifting story, and I will give you a link to her Facebook. You can go look it up yourself and see the pictures of him and his wife and things like that, and him and his child and all those things in between. But this is what she wrote um, today, because I looked at it again just when I was deciding if I was going to tell you about it or not. She um, is still posting some stuff today. Okay. Um, she put, wow, this was seven hours ago. Psalms 46.10 is the scripture that has been in my foundation the last three years. Not understanding or knowing the whys or whens can make me miserable. God gave me the scripture three years ago and told me I didn't have to know why or when or even understand. He is in control and just have peace and rest and allow him to work and fulfill his purpose. When the army chaplain came to, to the hospital to see Clint and pray with us, this is the very book of the Bible, Psalms 46, that he read. Rest in the stillness of my presence while I prepare you for this day. Let the radiance of my glory shine upon you as you wait on me in confident trust. Be still and know that I am God. There is both a passive and an active side to trusting me. 
as you rest in my presence focusing on me, I quietly build bonds of trust between us. When you respond to the circumstances of your life with affirmations of trust, you actively participate in this process. I am always with you, so you have no reason to be afraid. Your fear often manifests itself in excessive planning. Your mind is so accustomed to this pattern of thinking that you are only now becoming aware of how pervasive it is and how much it hinders your intimacy with me. Repent of this tendency and resist it. Whenever you realize you're wandering down this well-worn path, return to my presence, which always awaits you in the present moment. I accept you back with no condemnation. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among all the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And then she says, um, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So her um, her family, her Facebook, everything is open so that um, people can look at look at it. Quite a big shock, I would say, but. This man is back with his family. They've just come back to the States, I believe, today. Fly, flew back in. So her name is Penny Ross Lopez. Hopefully that link will go right directly there. You can see him. You can see his friends, his family. And it is the truth that she asked for prayer help, and many people, even those that didn't know her, prayed for her mother's love and her son and grandson and, and daughter-in-law. So there, I hope you're uplifted by that. I hope you um, have a great week um, and turn things around, you know. And I know I'm one that spends a lot of time planning and worrying. And every time I do that, my brain goes in the wrong direction. And I find that if I'm just happy in the day and do what I know is right, something always seems to come through and, and um solve some of the problems. We met some interesting people this week, too. I didn't even talk, talk about that. We were selling things out front, trying to you know, just get a few dollars to be able to put gas in the car or get some food, and um, met some very interesting people. So there's always a positive side to everything. Anyway, so I hope you all have a good week. Um, and uh, hang in there. There are things going on in places we don't even know about right now and taking things in a good direction, even if it's temporary chaos to come you know, with a good result later, I think we have a lot to be hopeful for. It looks gloomy sometimes, but we can't see what's happening in the background. We can just keep on doing what we know is right and um, have faith that other people are doing the same thing because we're being you know, directed in that direction. All righty then. Guys, have a good night. I hope that you learned something and uh, got something out of it, and and that you're, you know, seem to like it. You seem to keep coming back. This is episode 200 tonight. A lot of shows. There's a few missing in there, but still, it's around 200. So, we'll see you next week. Hopefully, we'll see some uh, good progress towards uh, getting rid of some of this corruption this week too, because they're starting to now. Uh, turn on each other, even in the upper levels of the U.S. government, at least. We're seeing it as they attack each other on television and and, uh, fight amongst themselves. People that in the past were aligned are not aligned now. So it's kind of interesting. All righty. Have a good night. Um, 
I'll leave the chat open for a couple minutes. You can share links and say goodnight to each other. Okay? All right. Thanks. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 